Hey, we are so honored that you are here with us right now. I'm joined with Pastor Jensen Franklin from Free Chapel Church, an amazing author, pastor, leader, friend, and um, we're excited. This is Victory Conference, first night. Pastor Jensen is kicking us off. It's going to be an incredible conference here, but we're going to take about 10, 15 minutes, just talk life, faith, leadership, and uh, for a lot of you that are watching out there, listening, we have a Learning to Lead podcast for young leaders specifically, just to help you follow your dreams and what it takes to do that. Pastor Jensen, welcome. Thank you so much. It's so great to be back with you at conference. What a lineup you've got, minus the speaker tonight. You got the <laughs> you got the weak link first. No, <laughs> yeah, you that's are cool. the strong one. You I, haven't. Spoken. I don't feel any pressure. I'm glad I didn't come after TD Jake. You know, somebody <laughs> like that. No, we're excited. The last time you spoke, I was telling you in the car. My mom was pastor at the time. I was serving her, and I remember driving to pick you up at the uh, airport. You and Sharice. And I sat in the car, and I had a learning to lead, you know, one-on-one moment with y'all asking you, what is it like to lead a church? How do I do it right, and uh, how did you do it? Maybe just give a quick, like, one-minute summary of how you got into pastoring and leading and at what age you started. Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of a baptism in fire. I um, had never pastored a church before. I was an evangelist in 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 the Church of God, a denomination and really loved evangelizing. Sharice and I traveled. We'd go from place to place, and, and uh, she'd run my little tape table. You know, I had a little tape table, and she'd, Come on. she'd set up those tapes and, and all of that. And um, what happened was I would go to this little church in Gainesville, Georgia, called Free Chapel because her grandmother went there. My wow. wife's grandmother was a member there, and, uh, and I'd go there annually. And the pastor there um, got sick and booked me nine months in advance and passed away the Friday night of the Sunday that he booked me nine months in advance to be there. And so I preached that Sunday morning, and to make a long story short, they asked me would I be pastor, and we prayed about it. And so I went right into pastoring. I had never taken an offering. I'd never had a board meeting. I had never dealt with church members. (laughs) I had never done any of those things. How old were you when you stepped into that? 28. 28 years old, yeah. And you took on this church. And Sharice was 20, 20 or 21. 21 years yeah. old. And so, boy, it was... Uh, Just thrust into leading a congregation. Yeah, and I had, about, I had about 15 good sermons that I had perfected on the road that if at any point I dropped dead in the middle of one of them, Sharice could have <laughs> quoted it word for word. <laughs> But uh, the, the greatest fear and challenge that I had was just preaching, you know, just the, the consistency and material. And, boy, it was, uh, it was overwhelming because back then we had a Sunday morning service, a Sunday night different service, and then a Wednesday night service. Where you were you preaching three different sermons three a sermons week. Three sermons a week. So we had and revival for about week. four weeks, and then, <laughs> then, wow. then we started having chat because I used up all those sermons. <laughs> but, uh, but God's faithful, right? Wow. You know, I'll never forget that, that little conversation in the car with you. You knew what was coming. You, had a, you, you knew God was leading you to take over this church. And I just want to say I'm so proud of you and your wife, Paul, and the way that you've stepped up. You went through transitional challenges like every church goes through, but you were steady, you were s- steadfast, and you knew what you had to do, and you 
we're visionary and to see how this ministry is thriving and being blessed and I know you give God the glory but he has to use people and I couldn't be more proud of you and the leadership that you you, you have turned the corner and now you're riding down the hill <laughs> that means a lot that means a whole lot you know your words of encouragement meant so much to me and my wife we both went home we just felt like we could do it after you said we could and I think that's the thing I realize that a lot of young people just need to hear someone who's succeeded say, you can do it. And you've done that for a lot of guys. You've done that for me because you've done 15, 20 plus years of leading a church well, successfully. How many years have you led Free Chapel? Um, that's a great question. I, I guess about 26 years I've been pastor. Wow. There. Yeah, 26. And you've multiplied it now to how many campuses? We have, we have six now. And counting. And adding another one at the end of the year. Come so, on, come Jesus. On. Yeah. That's good. amazing. Yeah. And, you know, I follow you on Instagram, and I love seeing your pictures of new campuses you've launched. You launched a downtown campus in the last year. Exploded. I mean, Instagram makes everything look awesome, but I know it's awesome where, I mean, I just hear amazing things at every campus. Um, talk a little bit about how you got into growing the church and getting to the point where you said, I'm ready to do more campuses. I, I, we were really thinking about doing a big expansion. We had kind of peaked. We had filled the place up and running multiple services there in Gainesville. And, and it, was, it was great, at, but we couldn't accommodate more people. It was just jammed up in the parking lot and in the halls and ministries, children's ministries, etc. And so we, you know, we even hired an architect and said we're going to enlarge the sanctuary. Our sanctuary in Gainesville seats 3,000. We were going to enlarge it. And the more I got into that, the more I just I started feeling almost dreading it. You know, I was dreading it. And everybody was saying, you need to do it. You need to do it. But I was dreading it. And that's always a little, you know, if you're dreading something, something's not right about it. Yeah. And so we just killed it and just really went to prayer. And during that time of prayer, um, was when a campus was kind of dropped into our lap and we started our first campus and then another one and another one and another one and another one. Wow. And uh, it's just been amazing. And, uh, you know, I wasn't sure if the uh, screens would work with my style of preaching and stuff, but uh, we shoot it in live to the campuses and I'm telling you, it's the most amazing thing. I, I, don't, I don't go over there to those campuses hardly ever, but boy, those people, they, they they love the church. They're part of the church, and I, and, and I love them, and God's doing a new thing. And I really encourage people, once you get, I think this is critical, get your base solid. You know, I think sometimes people take on too much, and if what you don't have is solid, it'll actually deplete that main campus. And, mm. and, and before you know it, you're struggling. So we took, we were kind of a late bloomer on multi-campus, but... I'm glad in a lot of ways because we had, we had the team ready to go. Wow. You know, I just read this book called Originals where a guy talks about the discipline to delay. And he said that if you delay a decision, you can learn from other people who've moved in that's that market point. and you could take their wins and losses. And I think that's a good word for people out there who feel like maybe they missed the trend, but they haven't and, right. and they can get in it. Um, what about just leadership overall? If you were sitting at a table with a few people that run a bank, a business, a church, uh, girls opening, you know, her first shop, 
What would you encourage them are some important attitudes to carry in starting something or taking over something that's already existing but growing it to the next level? Right. Well, I think what you did was, was, a, was a real key is you reached out to people. You reached out to people who had already done what you were trying to do because you only learn two ways through mentors or through mistakes and you chose mentors. You reached out to people like me. You, you, you uh, probably felt insecure. You, uh, you would always apologize when you would call me. You would apologize. I, can't, I, hate, I would never want to bother you. And I would, I'm like, you're not bothering me. I didn't give you my number you know, for you just to have it. And, uh, and you were bold enough to call. So, you know, if you're the smartest one in your group, get a new group. Wow. And that's so good. that's what you did. You began to reach out to me, and I know you reached out to people like Brian Houston and different people, and you begin to, you begin to learn. You know, you begin to, like you said, you got the courage and the confidence, and you knew you, were, you needed to make some changes. Every ministry has to go through changes. And if you're still doing everything that you used to do the exact same way, you're a dying church. Wow. The last words of a dying church is we've always done it this way and when your when your ministry begins to take on that that kind of musky smell of religion where it's just territorial preservation of ministries and you ask why are we still doing this and because we've always done it you're in trouble and you and you need to realize that there's somebody who's already done what you're trying to do go learn from them and that's what you did i did that i i at uh, even when i had a mega church begin to go to other conferences and learn from people and I didn't even people that weren't from my camp so to speak but they could teach me things and you know even if you don't agree with everything they say eat the fish and spit out the bones yeah you know take it that's take there will be something in that that you can grow from that's really good um, so you've written so many different powerful books which one's your favorite uh, right people right place right plan Come on, right yeah, people, right that. place. I love that I, That's one book. I have not read. I feel embarrassed now that's that you say favorite. it. I'm going to read it that's, now. That's my favorite. Okay, I tell a lot of funny family stories in it and uh, really one powerful, touching story uh, about one of my daughters that is just remarkable. And, and it's just all about, you know, that's, a, that's been a big theme of our ministry that we pray that prayer a lot. I was, I was praying in a prayer meeting early when we started Free Chapel. And I, and I was leading the prayer meeting with a microphone, leading the people. And I said, the Lord's going to give us, the Lord's going to give us, the Lord's going to give us kingdom connections. Those words were born in prayer. And I said, that means, and I'm, I'm just praying this, I'm just praying. It means the right people, the right places, and the right plan. And I didn't know I'd write a book and all that about it, but that's my favorite. Kingdom Connections was birthed in a prayer That's meeting. That's a true story on a Monday night prayer meeting. I'm reading that book now. I'm getting it. Yeah, That's it awesome. You. It's a good book. Okay, last question. Um, what was one of but, the... But I need to say my favorite because my publisher will be mad at me. My favorite <laughs> one right now is Love Like You've Never Been Heard. <laughs> Come on, right here. <laughs> That's Boom. our new book. Yeah, this is a great book. Yeah, it is. It, this it, is a great one. I mean, not because I wrote it, but because the message of it is so relevant to people's lives. Yeah. It's right where people live. It really is. I was reading it. I started tearing up reading it because you share your stories with family. And, man, I just, growing up at, in a pastor's home, yeah. people put pastors on a pedestal. And, right. and our family walked through stuff that you shared in there. And I was like, thank goodness a pastor sharing just kind of 
realizing that we all go through moments with our family where we need the grace of God. And um, so that was really powerful. Okay, I want to switch it up here before we end. Um, is there like one funny story that comes to mind in ministry that you kind of just go, that was in one of my top 10 highlight reel bloopers that that happened in ministry, maybe in the middle of a service, something crazy happened or something you said or something where you look back and you just laugh when you think about it. Yeah, I, I've had several things that I've said that I won't repeat <laughs> that were really funny. But probably one of the funniest things that ever happened was when I was an evangelist. My wife was with me in the car, and I had my sister. She went on this particular trip. And so we had preached at a, at a place in Ohio Sunday morning. We had to drive about 100 miles to get to the Sunday night place that I was to preach. And so we drive and we get in just in time. We know the street and the name of the church. It was, it was, a, it was a church of God and it was, I'm gonna say on Jones Street, I can't remember the name of the street. So we get there and back then they didn't have GPS and all that. So we get there and I'm running late. I mean, I'm like 20 minutes late for the service. So I, I, I play saxophone and I, I would play sax before I preach. So I grab my saxophone, my Bible, I run in, I changed in the back seat while my wife was, was, was and I run into this building and I walk, go all the way down the aisle. Back then you'd walk up on the stage and sit in the preacher chairs. And I just walk right up on the stage. I sit in the preacher chair and the pastor's across the stage and he looks at me and nods and the choir director. And I notice this, you know, they got a pipe organ and the, he's playing the pipe organ, or, you know, this guy is. And, and he's nodding and everybody's nodding at me. And I take my saxophone out and I'm getting ready to play and getting ready to preach. And uh, finally, uh, Usher comes over and says, can I help you, sir? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm the evangelist. Is this the church of God? They said, the church, this is the church of God of prophecy. You need to, that church you're looking for is about a mile down the road. <laughs> so I go outside, I, embarrassed, humiliated. I go outside, and then I realize I don't have a car. So a guy pulls up in the pickup truck because my wife's getting ready at the hotel and coming straight over. So I go on down the road. The guy picks me up in a pickup truck, gives me a ride. Make a long story short, my wife goes in, and she would set up the little tape table, the little book table. Oh, my goodness. And she goes out in the lobby and finds a table <laughs> and sets all the stuff <laughs> And then they say, are you with that little preacher? <laughs> yes, I'm with, he's down the road. That is hilarious. Yeah, so when she came in, and I told the, the church that I was supposed to be at, you know, what had happened. They gave her a standing ovation, and we had a big laugh. That but is hilarious. A lot of funny things happen at church. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you guys for joining us live. We love you. God bless you. Have a great rest of your time. Make sure you find the right church. Come on.